0: Welcome to another Love from the Hip. I'm spiritual hypnotherapist, master esthetician, and your host, Sakura Sutter. I created the show with the intention of empowering others to help and love themselves. Aside from weekly skin tips, you will hear me spotlight extraordinary souls from around the world who are making a difference by helping people in their own way. Together we can all make a difference, and it starts with love. Love from the Hip. Although many will argue that anxiety is a recently discovered disorder and hardly known before the 19th century, ancient Greek medical texts prove otherwise. In fact, in the Hippocratic Corpus, a collection of medical texts attributed to Hippocrates, there is a reference to a man named Nicanor, who many believe suffered from anxiety. Nicanor feared the flute girl and would experience terror upon hearing the flute being played. His symptoms were also said to persist over a long time. The Latin Stoic philosophical writings of Cicero and Seneca would not seem out of place in today's textbooks of cognitive psychotherapy on anxiety either. In the Tuscan Disputation, Cicero wrote that affliction or molestia, worry or solicitudo, and anxiety or angor are called disorders on account of the analogy between a troubled mind and a diseased body. This same text shows that an anxious effect is distinguished from sadness and that anxiety is defined as a medical illness. Cicero characterized anxiety as a constricting disorder. Seneca, another Stoic philosopher, offered insight in how to achieve freedom from anxiety in his book, Peace of Mind. He defines the ideal state of peace of mind as a situation where one is undisturbed, which is equivalent to what the Greeks called euthymia. Seneca believed that the fear of death is the main apprehension preventing us from living a carefree life. Seneca also strongly recommended combining the past, present, and future in one time only, which can be compared to present-day mindfulness. Epicurus, ancient Greek philosopher, taught that the objective of living a happy life, including reaching, reaching a state where the mind was free of worry, called ataraxia, Epicurius stressed removing negative perceptions about the past as well as fears about the future in order to live in the present. Although there seems to be centuries lost of the record and knowledge of treating anxiety as an illness, pati- patients did indeed exist, and many were placed under the label of melancholia. In 1621, Robert Burton pub- published The Anatomy of Melancholy, and in it, Burton wrote of Melancholia which many today use to support depression. However, Burton's intention was also to encompass anxiety. Clinical descriptions of panic attacks were published in the 18th century by many medical authors and labeled as symptoms of melancholia. The term vapors was used from 1665 to 1750 to describe nervous disorders, psychasthenia, coined by French psychologist Pierre Janet in 1859, was used to describe a concept in which anxious manifestations could be triggered by subconscious fixed ideas. And neurasthenia, or nervous exhaustion, was coined by George Beard in 1869. By the 1980s, the term anxiety disorder was officially recognized by the American Psychiatric Association, and in the 1990s, research focused on using antidepressants for anxiety. In 2020, the Anxiety and Depression Association of America, or the ADAA, reported that anxiety is the most common mental disorder in the US, affecting over 40 million adults. Of this, 19 million adults experience specific phobias, making it the most common anxiety disorder, with 15 million adults with social anxiety, 7.7 million adults with PTSD, 6.8 million with generalized anxiety, and 6 million with panic disorders. The age group most affected are those from 30 to 44 years of age. And according to the ADAA, women are twice as likely to experience anxiety than men. Reasons for this include hormone fluctuations, lack of testosterone, which is said to ease the symptoms of anxiety, and also because women tend to stuff residual anxiety from prior sexual abuse or violence not to mention the fact that women are more likely to seek help and therefore are diagnosed. Throughout history, women have suffered for this. The ancient Greeks believed only women to suffer from anxiety or what they called hysteria. Plato used the word hysteria, which came from the Greek word for uterus, hysteron. Healers of the time actually blamed the uterus for causing behaviors we would now describe as panic. Plato compared the uterus to a living creature that wanders throughout the body, blocking passages, obstructing breathing, and causing disease. Hippocrates also said hysteria arose from abnormal movements of the uterus in the body. According to Hippocrates, sickness would stem from the uterus, especially if it was deprived of its cleansing benefits received through sex and or procreation. He strongly believed that a a healthy sex life would leave a woman free from hysteria. During the Victorian era, women who were suffering from panic attacks, anxiety, stress, and postnatal depression were confined to insane asylums, where they were mostly treated using electroconvulsive therapy and labeled insane. Of course, women with a lower social status and usually less power and money were more likely to be locked away. Thankfully, society has moved away from treating women like this, and more men are stepping forward with anxiety as well. Although 2020 may have given more rise to anxiety, the worldwide pause gave us the opportunity to be present and to live in the present, which either alleviated the anxiety or allowed it to fully show itself. Today on Love from the Hip, I have the great pleasure once again of having Dr. Renee Mudry on my show. Dr. Mudry is an educational psychologist author, and founder of Transcendent Heart Life Coaching. She will share her wisdom and teachings on anxiety, how as women we can support each other through it, and what we can learn from it. So stick around, you won't want to miss it. Taking care of your body's largest organ can be difficult, but not for Estera Skincare Mist. This topical skin spray supports your skin's own natural healing defenses. Astera Skincare Mist is a light misting spray, free of parabens, alcohol, toxins, and fragrance. This all-natural topical skin spray will take the woe out of your skincare worries without clogging your pores. Irritation, inflammation, redness, post-procedure sensitivities, no problem. With Astera Skincare Mist, you can continue about your day without the skin dismay. Acne, rosacea, psoriasis, sunburns, rashes, and fungus? Don't let these skin concerns inconvenience you. Instead, let Astera Skincare Mist allow you to be happy in the skin you're in. Available at Sakura Skin and Mind. Learn more at EsteraCare.com. That's
1: E-S-T-H-E-R-A-Care.com. The Veil is the line between physical and non-physical realities between spirit and matter Listen in to Go Beyond the Veil, an exciting new show every second Wednesday of each month from 2 to 3 p.m. In this engaging and informational jam-packed radio hour hosts Sakura Sutter and Rory Reich interview folks who make a living crossing the veil, assisting others on their journeys of healing and self-discovery. Drawing from their own experiences, Sakura and Rory have come to realize how challenging it can be to understand it all. So they will ask the hard questions to not only reveal more truths and clarity, but in an effort to make spiritual sense. They hope by offering you, the listener, a resource where science meets spirituality that you too can finally put your skepticism to rest once and for all. So join them as they go beyond the veil.
2: Are you trying to boost your fertility and get pregnant? Not sure what to eat during your current pregnancy? Are you currently breastfeeding during postpartum? Sacred Medicine Mamas can help you to map out and optimize your pre-pregnancy, pregnancy, and postpartum journey. Allow Dr. Janelle Clayton, chiropractor, and holistic nutritionist Marjorie Glenn to help you thrive during this special time in your life. We offer high-quality nutritional supplements, meal planning, as well as mindfulness practices for your overall well-being. Shop our online store and holistic dispensary to find the best organic and natural products for you and baby. Set up a virtual consultation today. Results are priceless. Book a free consultation now by going to sacredmedicinemamas.com. That's sacredmedicinemamas.com. Or call 541-639-4575. That's 541-639-4575. Welcome back to
0: Love from the Hip. I'm spiritual hypnotherapist, master esthetician, and your host, Sakura Sutter. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram and Facebook and to subscribe and share my podcast, Love from the Hip. That's HYP, anywhere you can find podcasts. Today, I have the pleasure of having Dr. Renee Mundry on my show. Dr. Mudri is an educational psychologist, author, and founder of Transcendent Heart Life Coaching. Hey, Dr. Renee Mudri, how are you? Hello. Thank you for having me back. Yeah, absolutely. It's such a joy. <laughs> and I you... know. This is so exciting. So <laughs> exciting. How is it out west today? It's a little chilly over here. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm, I'm hearing the, the winter blast is over there, which I, I, I was telling you earlier, I don't miss that, but it's actually sunshine here today we have sunshine it's amazing so how nice I see
3: her every every 23 days here in Ohio so it's
0: okay (laughs) or high for me you definitely get more sun than we do so (laughs) (laughs)
3: that's true who am I talking to I just forgot about that Right. right
0: yeah so I want to ask you how would you define anxiety Oh
3: wow, that's like the million dollar question, isn't it? And you did, I have to say this, you did such a beautiful articulation of the history of anxiety. Some of that I didn't even know.
0: Right? <laughs> I was Especially here, with I the was years? Taking, that, <laughs>
3: Yes. That was fascinating. Yeah. And you know, I, I think the one thing about anxiety that's really I will tell you what it has become. It has become much different, right? Much broader, much more inclusive. To, to go beyond the original spectrum of the DSM, right, and the mm-hmm. diagnostics, that we know that there are certain criteria one must meet, right, to to be considered to have an anxiety disorder. But anxiety in general is just a very natural emotional phenomenon that we all go through throughout our lives. And it, it just matters whether it becomes a state of anxiety or becomes a trait. And so we all experience moments in our lives where we feel overly excited, a little bit more nervous, a job interview you, you know, the birth of a child coming, there's so many reasons why we would feel slightly unsettled. Mm -hmm. And that's what I really think anxiety is, is it's this energy shift within all of us where we begin to feel in what we call dissonance or disequilibrium, and we mistake it from a fearful perspective than just a neutral perspective to say, hey, what is the signaling that's about to shift for me? Hmm. And so I think it is just an energetic shift within. It's just the perception and the, the understanding of what all that means and what it feels like and the signals and the communication where all the problems come in for that. So okay. that's great. yeah, absolutely, it's, it's yeah. interesting, right? So yeah.
0: when you say it's an energetic shift within, then would you say that it's it's also beneficial? you see oh, the benefit that, of it? Yeah. Yeah.
3: It's very beneficial. Absolutely. I mean, again, we've got the evolutionary aspects of anxiety, right? The hardwiring of of aspects of anxiety, the fight or flight mode. I mean, we're not running away from, you know, saber-toothed tigers or anything like that today. Well, at least I hope we're not. Um, <laughs> You know, in this world, anything's possible in 2021, right? Sure. So we never know- Rule these things out, but um, you know it is definitely a need to keep ourselves safe and to keep ourselves able to discern danger from that which isn't danger. But again, our our bodies are only one mechanism, and that that anxiety signal, and so we get wrapped up and trapped in the body symptoms, and we think we're having a heart attack or we're about to have a stroke, or you know what is happening to my body? Why do I feel this way? And then we become fearful of the body. Mm
0: -hmm. And
3: that's again, where the cycle sort of goes versus now I look at it and I just go, wow, this is just a shift within me to meet or for me to become more in alignment with what is outside of me. So it's just a signal that I'm out of balance with my world. And that's easily solved in going into several different strategies, right, whatever I wish to think about or work through in that moment. So it's it's something, again, that I think the greater issue over time evolutionarily has just been how we
0: interpret and perceive it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I like how you said it's fearful of the body acting out. So would you say then we will have to just learn how to recognize that and also move through it?
3: Absolutely. I, I think that's probably one of the greatest tools we can give clients and individuals today. And I I predominantly started my career with children and adolescents, and then my, my business and my practice extended to young adults and, and all adults in general. But I think that's one of the biggest things that we really try to teach people is the awareness, you know, become aware of how your body feels on a day-to-day basis, how your thoughts move in and out of different experiences, and how these can kind of go out of alignment, and then how they come back into alignment. When do you feel peaceful? When do you feel joyful? And notice when you don't, what are some of those similar patterns? So it really is about helping people come to that awareness and then learn. Here's my big thing. I always tell everyone, anxiety is not necessarily a condition to be medicated i have Mm. no nothing against those who need medication in the early stages because some people really do need that if they're caring for a really young baby and they don't have help and there's a myriad of reasons why people do need medicine but many people don't right and they can they can handle this very well very in 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 a holistic way if they knew that if they had options and also if they can learn a new language That's what this is. It's a language of your spirit. It's a language of your soul that as we get older becomes a little bit crisper and a little bit, now I don't want to say loud because the soul is never loud, right? Mm -hmm. But just different, vibrates different. Our frequencies change and our outer world doesn't always shift. And sometimes it does. Sometimes our outer world changes faster than our inside. (laughs) But usually when we feel this really profound anxiety, it's because we're shifting on the inside and we're just not so aware of what that is. Mm. And
0: we just have to teach them how to learn that language, speak that language better. Okay. And so would you say that medication may keep it around longer? And maybe, it can for
3: some. Yeah, yeah. absolutely.
0: Because it can create a whole host. You know, we're talking about
3: needing to balance brain chemicals, right? right? And so there's we tell people be very patient when beginning medication. And I'm certainly not a psychiatrist, so I won't talk to the efficacy of different types of medication, but, but from my own experience, it can take four or five months of balancing, rebalancing, dosing, upping, lowering. And then you've got the side effects Mm -hmm. of your body then accepting a new chemical presence, right? And sometimes that balances out for people and they do very well. And then others, they go, God, I just don't feel like myself anymore. I feel worse. Mm -hmm. And so that's something to really think about that it, it can exacerbate symptoms. And for some people, it can be a really great thing in the short run. Right,
0: okay. Well, can you share with my listeners how anxiety popped up for you during this pandemic? Oh, wow, you know, <laughs> it's like
3: I think it's here for all
0: of us, yeah. isn't it? Yes.
3: And <laughs> I had, you know, I was doing fairly well. I mean in the in the early parts, you know, I just had my birthday last week, and I remember oh, happy birthday. This, Thank you. This was when everyone started talking really loud about it last year, right? And we weren't so sure it was going to happen, but it was starting to become a little more scary and more real. And I was still out for my birthday. We were at a restaurant. It was with my brother and his wife and his daughter and my my friends and, you know, family and my children, and we were sitting there, and I just kept feeling this buzzing though, this really different change. Like I knew something was about to shift, but I was hoping it wouldn't. But it wasn't too bad. There, I had my ups and my downs, the normal kind of, you know, what is this? Oh my God. Uh, and then settling down when you realize it wasn't as bad as everybody said it would be at first, or then it was worse than we thought it would be in other right. situations. But it was later for me, it was actually just in November. I think I had reached this exhaustion point of, you know, being inside and not being able to do the things I wanted to, you know, being separated from my love, you know, we're in two different countries right now. And everything that was building up to all of that, and I started to have panic attacks to Mm -hmm. the nth degree. Now I'm perimenopausal. So we know that that can often be common with hormonal shifts as well. But this was different. This wasn't just you know, because I know when I'm chemically off, you know, Mm -hmm. I I know what, like, I know when I need caffeine and I know when I need, you know, water, I know when I need to to do these things. This was really deep from within. And at first it scared me beyond measure because I hadn't had this profound panic attack since I was in my early thirties and I'm now 49. So it's been a long time. And I had momentary lapses while I was pregnant, but nothing like this. And I remember just losing my eyesight. It was so blurry and I felt like I was on fire and it lasted for an hour or two. I mean, we're not talking about 15, 20 minutes. I mean, this was an hour or two Mm -hmm. and it happened every night for two consecutive weeks. And I was, I was so fearful, but then there was that aha moment. I'm like, why, why are you not listening to yourself? Why are you not doing what you tell your clients to do? <laughs> and I realized I needed to t- tap in, tune in mm-hmm. and ask her, what are you trying to tell me? What, what, what do I need to pay attention to? What am I missing? And I just got quiet. And I just laid there every night and let that anxiety just float over me. It was painful in moments. I was fearful. I got my mom on the phone. My mom is amazing. She'll be on the phone at 4 (laughs) a.m. Sometimes talking me through it because she had it as well. And she reminds me, she said, you know, this is where you're about to meet this glorious phase of your life. And there are things that are being spoken to you and signs that are being given to you. And it's time for you to pay attention versus being afraid. And I just let it come and let it come and let it come. And eventually it started to go away and become less and less. And then the clarity came of what it was that I was supposed to be doing. Hmm. And here we are. You know, I knew that I was supposed to be speaking more about this and creating more. I had been a little reluctant in 2020 to to do things because of uncertainty and not feeling well, you know, mm-hmm. as, as most of us aren't. But I knew that I had to get back to what is my my whole theme this year, which is creation and creating things for people in this field of mental and emotional well-being that they can land into and feel safe and find their way and begin to to just move through these things more clearly. And I was over here thinking that my life was ending. And in actuality, it was just beginning again. It was a new phase
0: starting for me. Huh. So. And so yeah. you had to unbecome again. Oh, God,
3: yes. You know, just <laughs> That's, as I thought. Right. as the author of the unbecoming, dang it. Am uh-huh. I not supposed to be exempt and excluded from this now? Right. I thought, you know, I wrote the book. I've already been through this. Mm-hmm. Why, as I wrote in Chapter 4, I felt like those who've re- read my book will know this wonderful part of the book where you know Liv is standing in the cave with this with this particular um deity and she catches a image of herself in the cave in the ice wall and she sees all the scars from her cancer and the traumas and all the battles she's been through and then immediately you know he says look again and she looks again and she sees nothing <laughs> but herself again clear of all of that and it's just a matter of, do I want to see the A or do I want to see B? And so I chose B. I chose to to move back into the glory of life. No matter what I look like on the outside, inside, I knew that I had a brighter path that I had to go down. Mm. And, and here we are.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that story. And yes. yeah, so I mean, I would imagine, too, you were also absorbing anxiety from the collective as well oh yeah i mean
3: you know empaths
0: i don't have to speak anything (laughs) you
3: guys because you all know and and there is a duty isn't there as as an empath to to be able to hold the energy Mm -hmm. of the world into the blessing without sinking and falling in the extraneous effort that we thought we had to put forth to do that right so you know, to heal the collective really doesn't take an extraordinary amount of energy. It takes the right kind of alignment with the energy. But we, we tend to go into this, I got to build this business and I got to do this and I've got to do this. And, and we're going in the complete opposite direction. Of What an empath is here for.
0: Mm -hmm.
3: And and that's why we go, oh, we're burnt out. And, and, and I mean, no disrespect, because I know people mean well, but when we say, you know, as an empath, you're just supposed to observe and not absorb, I said, well, what, what crazy person wrote that they're not an (laughs) empath at all, because there's no way as an empath, I can't absorb. Right. That's exactly what an empath means, Mm -hmm. you know, an empath is one who is, you know, very porous. So there's no way to not be porous Mm -hmm. and to be an empath. Right. So then I need to go a different route and realize that as I absorb, I need to be fully engaged in the awareness and the reality of what it is that's happening. Is it mine? Is it not mine? Mm. And yeah. then I can discern, right? right? And I can hold the energy of what isn't mine over here for the collective. And I can allow what is of me to go through me metabolically and, and make that effort and that shift. But again, this is not stuff we're, treat- we're taught as kids. Nobody <laughs>
2: teaches us this, right? right? We learn
3: this
0: the hard way. Right. And I think yeah. your story is a great example of how, you know, us as healers and lightworkers, I mean, we can hit a spiritual rock bottom. It does oh, yeah. happen. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> I almost feel, you know, gee,
3: my love, he says all the time to our clients, there is no half healing. So you're either going all the way up or all the way down and then all the way up again. Hmm. And it's really up to us. But sometimes we, I was the type of personality that had to go down as well. I, there was no halfway. I couldn't pull myself as a projectile halfway in the middle, I had to fall and then come back up. Some of us are just hardwired that way. Mm-hmm. And then other people float lighter and they're able to look like they they don't have their lives as hard, but they do. They just have a different path, right? A different way of their energy right. happening for them. And so I think many times we do have to hit the bottom. I mean, the real bottom, not the perceived bottom. Mm-hmm. A lot of my clients go, I'm in hell and I can feel it. I said, you're not there yet. <laughs> You know, you're not there. And right. I'm here to hold you and and to be with you and hold the space with you for the time that it's going to take us to get you there.
0: Yeah.
3: And then they hit it and they're like, oh my God. You know? Yeah. And sometimes they disappear for a little while in in their treatment programs and or they start blaming me for things not working <laughs> out in their lives. And I'm okay with that. Because right. I know that they had to go down there and then they'll come back up. And so I think for some of us, we just have to allow that to happen without being fearful. I mean, as long as we're not harming other people in that falling, um, you know, and and losing so significantly. But sometimes people just
0: have to go that route. Yeah, I agree. Well, thanks for sharing that. Well, With that, we're going to take a break. But everyone stay tuned for the Weekly Skinny up next. On this Weekly Skinny, I would like to discuss a recent article published in the UK Vogue by Hannah Coates titled... How Anxiety Affects Our Skin, and What You Can Do About It. In the article, Hannah interviews psychodermatologist Dr. Alia Ahmed on how anxiety affects the skin. The most common skin concerns which arise due to anxiety, according to Dr. Ahmed, are acne, eczema, urticaria, psoriasis, and rosacea. Other less widely understood skin concerns also rooted in psychological distress and anxiety are skin picking, itching, hives. Blushing, sweating, and dysmorphia. Dr. Ahmed also adds that anxiety can be expressed in facial expressions, such as forehead furrows and those pesky 11 lines. Dr. Ahmed goes on to explain that because the brain has a stress-activated pathway, which causes the release of various hormones and chemicals causing inflammations in both the skin and the body. This is why anxiety impacts the skin. Furthermore, emotional distress can lead to the release of cortisol, which disrupts the skin's natural barrier, affects the immune system, making it less able to defend itself, and delays healing. Skin that isn't functioning properly can look red, dry, dull, pigmented, wrinkled, saggy, and feel itchy. Dr. Ahmed also points out the vicious cycle which many of us experience in which the condition of our skin gives us emotional distress or anxiety which then impacts the skin. In order to break this cycle, Dr. Ahmed recommends seven tips to treat anxiety-prone skin. Tip one, manage your environment, meaning create a positive environment. Surround yourself with your favorite candles, scents, music, and colors. Tip two, self-dialogue. Keep a positive mantra to recite back to yourself like, I am worthy. Also think about what you are grateful for and express gratitude throughout the day. Tip three, get more sleep. It is no doubt that sleep affects the skin. Allow at least eight hours a night for the skin to repair itself. Tip four, banish negative influences. Remove anything in your life that isn't serving you anymore and that which makes you feel bad. Tip five, stay hydrated. Drink at least two and a half liters of water a day to stay hydrated and reduce dehydration. Tip six, invest in a facial tool. Dr. Ahmed recommends investing in a gentle facial massage tool like the Gua Sha tool. Tip seven, don't forget your diet. The interaction between the gut, brain, and skin should not be forgotten when assessing overall skin health. So really take time to make sure your diet is working for you and not against you, incorporating healthy choices as well as probiotics. I would like to add that other ways of addressing anxiety-prone skin are through hypnotherapy, EFT tapping, meditation, yoga, and even
4: facials. Did you know that there's power in the number three? Not only is it the number that our brains remember best, it's also the triad as it contains a beginning, a middle, and an end. So it represents wholeness. What better way to absorb information than from the power of three? Coaches, Sakura Sutter, Rory Reich, and Brenda Reese on the Conscious Coaching Hour. This brand new live show airs the fourth Wednesday of every month from 2 to 3 p.m. These three intuitive and transformational coaches will reveal their own life experiences, share candid conversations, and offer up advice using their individual spiritual gifts, intuition, and intellect to help you overcome the challenges you may be facing in life. No matter where you are, the Conscious Coaching Hour will meet you there and shed light on the things that matter most to help you awaken your intuition and inner coach and to help you live your best life.
2: Pretty, painless, and affordable. Find out more at sakuraskinandmind.com, S-A-K-U-R-A, skinandmind.com.
0: Welcome back to Love from the Hip. I'm spiritual hypnotherapist, master esthetician, and your host, Sakura Sutter. And next Wednesday, February 10th, from 12 to 1 p.m., I will be a guest on Inspired Living Radio with Mark Lanehart, discussing reincarnation, which you can find at omtimes.com. That's omtimes.com. Today on Love from the Hip, I have the great pleasure of having Dr. Renee Mudry on my show. Dr. Mudry is an educational psychologist, author, and founder of Transcendent Heart Life Coaching. So, uh, Dr. Renee, I was going to ask you if you can share with us, aside from hormones, why else do you believe women are more prone to anxiety?
3: Such a great question, and I think it just reminds us of the beautiful balance of energy that we we are all encompassing right of our our divine feminine and divine masculine energy so so men certainly are prone to to this aspect of anxiety as well it just looks different it just feels different often for them but but many times it's in this transition where we're beginning to to move away from a lot that we thought we were meant to be right a lot of that um really difficult, hyper masculine time in our lives that we've lived in for so long some of us were you know faced trauma as young women some of us unfortunately had to raise our children you know alone or be single parents or just you know having to step into roles that we didn't get to just be in our divine feminine and have that space to just create right and and to be all encompassing of that divine energy and we had to exist in, in a lot of that Really difficult and, and challenging part of the hyper masculinity. And I think what happens when we get to this really beautiful point of life, because a lot of women that I know and that I've worked with, they experience this in middle school, they experience this in college, they experience this you know, in their early 30s, and then again, in their 40s. And it's like, what happens in those trajectories? Well, there's hormonal shifts, but why is there hormonal shifts? Because these are really significant transitions in life. They're not just biological maturational pieces in the way that we think about them. We're not just getting older or, you know, maturing biologically from that perspective, but we're maturing on a spiritual level. You know, We're really coming into this beautiful essence of wisdom, and this is the part where our heart wants to play a greater role in our life versus our mind, right? In the hyper-masculinity, we learn to think, we learn to problem-solve, we learn to handle conflict and keep people safe and all those kinds of things and pay bills. Mm-hmm. But in the beautiful divine ma- feminine, we're being asked to live from our heart. And we've been guarded a lot in our lives. We've closed ourselves off. We have not wanted to get hurt again. And we just kept moving into that masculine, masculine. And the world finally says, no, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you have to get back to that which you were created to be. And. It isn't that we'll be stuck in our feminine at that point. It just means that we're going to have to get to know her better right. and right? and embrace that and love all of that and look back on our lives with joy and compassion, no matter how hard it was. And that's the part I think when the anxiety shows up is we've got the hormones, we've got the spiritual escalation, we've got the maturation, we've got the rejection of of that hyper-masculinity that we've lived in for so long, the unbecoming of all the layers that we weren't. That's a lot of stuff happening at one time. Mm-hmm. And for women, we're very sensitive because, as we all know, neurobiologically, we're very wired closer to the universe, right, than, than the masculine are. And there's a reason for that. There's, no, there's a reason why it's called Mother Earth, <laughs> you know, not Father right. Earth. Um, and, and there is, you know, we know epigenetic research to really demonstrate that, that we as women are just far more connected and in tune with that men can be, but they have to go a different route than we naturally can just lean into it. So I think that that's, again, you know, everything waking up, some things needing to leave us other things growing. And it's just a combination of a lot of
0: stuff happening. I think that's great. Cause I don't think en- enough t- attention is given to that that aspect of it. So how can we support each other as women through this?
3: Oh, I I love this question because I wrote an article. I never published it. And now I feel like I really need to go back and update it and do it. It was about women in academe. As a professor, I remember when I started my career and I was in my early thirties and I had, I have this wonderful chair. She's now a dear friend of mine, but she, She didn't have children. And she said to me, I want to have an honest conversation with you. You know, what is your intent as far as your life, you know, and working as a professor? Like, will you have children? What will you choose? And she was just wondering, honestly, she said, because, you know, there's challenges in it and you're going to have to think about how to balance that. I was glad for her honesty, but it also woke me up to the sense of why were we even having that kind of conversation? You know, do men have that type of conversation when they enter a job? Is there any conversation about how they'll need to balance, you know, being a father with working and, you know, it it didn't happen to that degree now with stay at home dads and things like that. We certainly are far more sensitive and, and understanding of, of all of this. But I, I was turned off in that space because I said to myself, why do I have to choose? Mm. And, you know that isn't fair. And so, as I started to to move into my my early stages of my career, I had women who were very supportive, and they were mothers. And I had women who were not very supportive and judgmental of me if I was late or I couldn't hurry up and get to an eight thirty meeting when my kids need to be walked across the street at eight twenty five. You know, um, and it was one of those where I realized like the hyper masculinity was showing up in a lot of those women, and I think we need to be very compassionate as women with each other, very, you know, less judgmental, if uh, judgmental at all, <laughs> and recognize that when we are triggered by the actions of another woman, it it really is a sign that there is something we need to be paying attention to within our own selves. And, you know, to begin to think about how can I support you through this instead of how can I hold you down because I'm fearful or how can I be critical of you because I don't understand what's happening to you? I would love to see more conversations. And and I actually just recently started a forum on Clubhouse now, wow. and I have a few rooms there, but one particularly about parenting. And we had a session today, just mm-hmm. it's called Honest Parenting. <laughs> <laughs> and being real as mothers and fathers and people in this, but women in particular were so quick to cut each other down in a competitive way because we keep moving into that hyper-masculinity mm-hmm. and we have to resist that. We have to have more forums and I'm not into all the extreme goddess stuff either. You know, I know a lot of people love that, but I think that's taking it to the other extreme too. Right. And we have to be really careful of extremes, right? And we have to learn to live amidst the spectrum and, and flow more gently. So I think more conversation, more retreats, more um, professional development within corporate places as well, really helping people learn. I actually did a training at a major hotel chain on divine energy, and I was hired by a man to do it. Mm-hmm. It was amazing. I was so happy <laughs> um, that people want to talk about this and see how this works in the environment. So mm-hmm. I'm hoping we will see more of that. Well, and I, I love And that. with children too, right? Yeah. Helping our daughters and our sons grow up. To not have to have these conversations later in my in their lives, that they are respectful and honoring of each other. They understand that you know boys have divine feminine and masculine, and girls have divine feminine and masculine, and how that looks, and how to be completely accepting of all of it.
0: Mm-hmm. And so, how would you say that men stepping more into the feminine, perhaps change has changed this anxiety for women on a soul level? And how well it? you know. It, it has, it really
3: has. I think there's positives and negatives to it, right? So one thing is when we have when we have women in their hyper masculinity with you know a man who is securely in his, um, it's perceived as competition. So why wouldn't it be the other way? Mm-hmm. If We have men stepping into their divine feminine or being forced into a very um, feminine perspective, you know, out of whatever reason that would be you know, I I thought about this, this was, oh, this was such an eye opener about this when I was raising my son. And, you know, his father and I certainly we co parent very well. And I respect that man very, very much. But I realized while I was raising my son that there were moments where I was profoundly coming from this feminine energy, because I was so fearful that my son would engage in the things in which his father did that hurt me. Mm. And that wasn't Alex's path. There was no reason to be fearful of that ever becoming of Alex. So I pushed him so far into the feminine that he didn't learn how to handle conflict. He mm. didn't learn how to feel comfortable in his masculinity. And now as an athlete, you know, he's a very kind, compassionate athlete. But I noticed there's moments where he's a little less hesitant to want to like, you know, really fight for that, for right. that ball, Yeah. You know? <laughs> and so I go, oh my god, I saw it before my eyes that I I didn't mean to dishonor my son. You know, now I help him, you know, just get to the support and the coaches and the and the people that can help him with that other side, but I was keeping him away from it from it in fear that he would become of that type of of energy. Mm. So I think that we have to, you know, really be mindful of that as parents. Right. And, you know, don't push them either way too far, teach them how to embrace both and, and learn to live in that fluidity. And I think that'll be, that'll be incredible.
0: And also learn from them, right? Oh God, yes. Yeah, because yeah, they're yeah. they're perfect, aren't they? Yeah. They're perfect and they're little. The little the little boy picks
3: up the baby doll with no question. Mm-hmm. The girl goes over and likes the, you know, the the toy, the car, whatever, with no question. There's there's just nothing and then it's us that ruins
0: everything. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. well I still like the cars. But anyway, I do. Oh, <laughs> I'm I such a car junkie. Do you totally. have a favorite car? Oh, I'm a gearhead. A sixty nine Camaro you? would be great. <gasps> Seventy two four forty two for me. Oh, there you go. Yes. That's
3: awesome. Two-tone blue <laughs> yeah, with, the, with the, the lifts on the hood. That's, that's my dream car.
0: Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> well, wonderful. With, well, with that, we're going to take another break, but everyone stick around for more Love from the Hip. All
2: right. Hi. We are Sacred Medicine Mamas, and we are on a mission to help people heal and feel better through a variety of holistic wellness practices. We offer holistic wellness services for busy people who are ready to achieve optimal health. We are a health and wellness clinic and a community of empowered people finding true healing and health. We are not only practitioners passionate about people's health, we too are busy professional people. We have been where you are and we have experienced similar health issues. This is why we love working with people just like you to help you find true healing of your own. We offer services including chiropractic, massage therapy, weight loss and nutrition, pregnancy and postpartum nutrition yoga and fitness. Virtual sessions are available. Book an appointment with us today by going to sacredmedicinemamas.com. That's sacredmedicinemamas.com or call 541-639-4575. That's 541-639-546. 75.
1: Hypnotherapy helps you discover and explore deep sustainable life changes. Let Sakura guide your communication with your unconscious mind. Rid yourself of negative behaviors, fears, pains, and emotions. Weight loss, smoking, childhood drama, chronic pain, and much more can be addressed. Begin healing now. Learn more. Sakura, skin and mind dot S-a-k-u-r-a skin and mind Bring out the healthy way of thinking you didn't know you had
4: did you know that there's power in the number three not only is it the number that our brains remember best it's also the triad as it contains a beginning a middle and an end so it represents wholeness what better way to absorb information than from the power of three coaches sakura sutter rory reich and brenda reese on the conscious coaching hour This brand new live show airs the fourth Wednesday of every month from 2 to 3 p.m. These three intuitive and transformational coaches will reveal their own life experiences, share candid conversations, and offer up advice using their individual spiritual gifts, intuition, and intellect to help you overcome the challenges you may be facing in life. No matter where you are, the Conscious Coaching Hour will meet you there and shed light on the things that matter most to help. Awaken your intuition and inner coach, and to help you live your best life.
0: Welcome back to Left from the Hip. I'm spiritual hypnotherapist, master esthetician, and your host, Sakura Sutter. If you are just joining us today, I have the great pleasure of having Dr. Renee Mudry on my show. Dr. Mudry is an educational psychologist, author, and founder of Transcendent Heart Life Coaching. So, Dr. Mudry, I was hoping that you can share with us your new book that's coming out, In the Knowing, the Wisdom of the Heart, Any takeaways, as well as any tips and tools on how to manage anxiety?
3: Oh, thank you so much for asking about this. This has been a labor of love, let me tell you, because the first book, even though when I sat down and wrote it, it really only took me about 45 days to write the book, but I had been attempting it for three years. But it took me 45 years to live to write that book, and now you know I I get picked up by a publisher who says, okay, can we turn this other book around in less than a year? So it's <laughs> like, wait a minute, I have to live the next part of my life. How do I write? But in the knowing, the wisdom of the heart is really near and dear because this is this is sort of the part where we get to. So the unbecoming is when we release, we surrender, we let go of the layers of that which isn't us, right? We come to that awareness, we deconstruct it, we then look at it and say, now who am I? And we reconstruct our identity and our self into what we should have always been, part choice, part birth, right? And 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 blessing as well. And then we get to this next part of our lives where we have to integrate now. We have to get back to the real world per se. And we have to reintroduce ourselves and get to know ourselves and let people get to know us. How do we stay in what we call the knowing, which is wisdom, right? Of the process we've been through so that we don't fall off of the wagon again. And we don't go back to old habits or bad practices or get back into toxic relationships or with anxiety, you know, fall back into forgetting that this is more of a blessing than a curse. So, I write about that particularly in the second book about really tapping into the wisdom of the heart. And as we know, the wisdom is, or the excuse me, the heart has its own intelligence system, right? And resonance mm-hmm. that is profound. And I know you've talked about these things on the show here before. Yeah our mind is not meant to lead the ship. Our mind is meant to be a servant, right? And it wants to be a servant, but we're demanding the the brain to lead everything and do everything. And that's why we're overtaxed. We overthink and our body just gets burnt out. And the heart is sitting here going, I'm here guys, just ask me to do what I'm meant to do. And the heart is meant to run certain aspects of our emotional, right? And And sensitive aspects and love and kindness and compassion and all those kinds of things. And if we could just allow the heart to do what it's meant to do and to step up and either be an equal partner with the brain or to be the leader, for Mm -hmm. some of us, we're meant to have the heart lead and just allow that to happen, the brain would actually slow down And go, thank God, somebody else showed (laughs) up to help out with this job Right. and would start to relax. And all the things that we went to therapy for in the first place would kind of dissolve. So we'd be left with what we really should have been there for in the first place. And we could work through those elements. And our heart is there telling us what is and what isn't. And that be patient, because I'm not going to give you the answer right in this moment. You have to wait. Let's look for the lesson. What's the lesson? all right, now what do we do? And so how do we do all of that? And so this book really helps to create, um, there's workbook pages in there and things like that to really help navigate what we call the virtues of the heart and how to use those on an everyday basis and replace the negative, toxic elements that we need to purge with,
0: with much more positive mm-hmm. um, aspects and beings. Okay. So. so essentially, you're asking the heart to help process the thoughts as well. Is that correct? Well,
3: you know, and and it's in some way. I mean, I guess you could say that. But again, the heart would never process the thought in the way that the mind would, sure. right? Sure, right. Yeah. It would it would process it in its truest form, which would be what is the lesson, mm-hmm. instead of why did he do that? Why didn't he call? What is he doing? And where is he at? And what is this? <laughs> and what is that? It would just say, what is your lesson? Right. Not getting wrapped up in another person or another thing that we can't control. But keeping us focused on us and our growth and our
0: ascension is
3: what the heart is is really the leader at doing for us.
0: And now you had mentioned earlier to me about anxiety forcing us into the quiet. Could you yes. explain that a little bit more?
3: Yeah. I mean, all of our lives, we we spend, you know, we, we try to get babies to talk as early as they can, don't we? And if they don't talk, we panic. Oh, my mm-hmm. goodness. And many kids are very introverted, and beautifully so, and think within, and we force them out because it's what makes us comfortable. So we spend all of li- our lives being loud, being pulled out of places, um, being overly thinking and cerebral, and we lose the natural essence of the beauty of the quiet within ourselves. And eventually the body gets to a place where it becomes so overtaxed and it forces us have to sit there with a mind that is disconnected from the body. And in that we're forced into a space of not being able to think clearly and we have to be quiet hmm. and we have to allow whatever is present to work through whatever it needs to do. And this is where energy healing is very helpful, right? Whether Reiki or somatic therapy, whatever route you choose, it's so important to really process that. And we often have to get quiet instead of talking all the time to really hear the, the language and the message of the spirit, again, telling us what we need mm. and and what we need to let go of and, and what we need to embrace. So I think the more that we can get quiet in that way without being nervous about it, the more we can actually transcend and heal.
0: Mm, I love that. Well, uh, Dr. Renee, I was hoping you can share with my listeners how they can learn more about you or follow you.
3: Yes, absolutely. Um, my main website is transcendentheart.com, and I actually have a page where you can tell me about you and let me know what your what your needs are, what questions you might have, and I can go ahead and respond, and I can also set up a free 30-minute consultation with you if you're interested in working with me. I also um, am on uh, the app Clubhouse. If you're not on there, you should get on there. It is <laughs> phenomenal. I know it's iPhone <laughs> only right now, guys. Yes, I'm it's sorry.
0: invitation it's on only iPhone. right now, too. So
3: Yeah, yeah. yeah it's not my fault um <laughs> beta testing but it's phenomenal i do a lot of rooms on there um on instagram you can follow me transcend with dr renee but it's transcend dot with dot dr renee and um i'm also somewhat on twitter um at dr mudre but um probably the best place to find me is actually on instagram or clubhouse these days And i'm at dr renee on clubhouse
0: wonderful well thanks again for being here today. Thank you. (laughs) And thank you to Eric, my super duper producer, KKNW, my new affiliate, KBKW, the talk of Grace Harbor, and you, the listener. You can find me at sakurasutter.com. Really love the show. Don't be shy. Drop me a line at LoveFromTheHip.com. And stay kind out there. Stay true to you. And don't forget, make self-love contagious. Go ahead. I dare ya.
4: A health crisis is one of the most challenging situations we will experience in our lifetime. It leaves us frightened, confused, and asking, why did this happen to me? Transformational coach Rory Reich experienced his healing crisis when the life he had so carefully constructed came crumbling down around him. The universe had offered him a challenge. He chose to accept it and to rediscover who he was before it was too late. In his book, Transform Yourself Through Disease, Rory shares his personal journey alongside eight practical steps to help those who are stuck realize their self-impairing beliefs and discover ways of transforming them so they can reclaim their health and create the life of their dreams. Don't let your health crisis define you. Take the next step and transform yourself today. For a free life coaching consultation, contact Rory at RoryReich.com. That's R-O-R-Y-R-E-I-C-H dot com.